the Buffalo Podcast. Hi everyone, it's Monique Gordion, and the great news is you found the podcast, a space for stories that will arouse a smile and inspire us as we tap into our collective experiences. Enjoy. Welcome everyone to the Buffalo Podcast. It's so great to have you back. I appreciate you listening in and oh, welcome. Kathy, Kathy Brown, who's my guest on the podcast today. How are you, Kathy? I'm very well. Thanks, Monique. Now, Kathy and I have never spoken before, so you're listening to our first time chat. How I found you was through the Radical Remission um, uh, Instagram page that I follow. I might throw to you to tell us your story. Thank you very much. Well, my story actually started about 32, uh, no, 35 years ago. I had a little red dot on my arm Mm. and, you know, with all the awareness about melanoma and what that looks like, I was always looking for in case there was a dark, uneven spot or something, you know, that we see visually on TV. Yep. And this little red dot, I was watching it and aware of it. And then one day I was unpacking the dishwasher and I knocked it. And I got a shot of pain go up my arm. Oh. So the next time I went to the doctor, and it wasn't for that, it was some other reason, I yeah. mentioned to him and he said, oh, there's nothing wrong with that, Kath. And I said, oh, oh I just feel easy about, uh, uneasy about it. Would mm. you mind just taking it out? So he kind of clicked his tongue and oh, just to keep you happy like that and took me <laughs> up the back and removed it. And because I had had other moulds removed over the over the years, very conscious about, mm. you know, skincare. Mm. And anyhow, the next morning I got a phone call from him and I'm thinking, oh, gee, this is really good service, you know, the doctor ringing yeah. up to see how I am. Mm. And then the penny dropped that, oh, dear, this isn't um, mm. going too well. And he said, look, they've just rung from the laboratory and that little red dot we took out is actually a melanoma and it's deeper than what we like so could you please come back in I want to refer you to a plastic surgeon to take a wider excision so I went back to him and got referred to a uh, this plastic surgeon and he took a, a wider piece out which looked like a monster of some sort had taken a bite out of my arm oh. and stitched it up and um you know results came back yes everything was clear so I just mm. carried on with life, you know, got had married two children, the age of six and eight, and life carried on. After a couple of months under my arm started to become very tight. So I went back to the doctor and he said, oh, look, what may have happened, we might have caught one of the nerves when we were, you know, took the wider excision. And I did that a couple of times and nothing was showing. And about oh, 10 months later, um, I, you know, I kept checking for lumps under my arm. There was nothing there. And then one morning I woke up and there was a huge bulge under my arm. So straight back to oh. the doctor. And he sent me to the hospital to a specialist to get that checked out. And um, it was uh, two large tumours uh, where the melanoma had spread. Wow. Now, in the meantime, uh, I had these spots come up on my leg and I kept going back to the doctor for those and saying, look at these spots. They're like big welts, um, uh, like blisters all over my legs. Mm. And he looked at them. He said, well, I've not seen anything like that before. So we went and got a few more of his 
colleagues to come in and have a look. And I had three doctors looking at my legs saying, we've never seen anything like that before. And I, oh, that was the spots, <laughs> not my <Right>. legs. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, anyhow, so they gave me different creams and they disappeared. So yeah. when I had these um, tumours uh, removed, I said to the doctor, was there any indication that that was connected? He said, yeah, your body was so locked into fighting the tumours that your your immune system was breaking down. Oh, now, wow. One of the uh, skin specialists who had removed one of these little blisters, because he hadn't seen it either, mm. uh, he rang me up and he said, yes, it, they've uh, examined it. It's a thing called bullous pemphigoid. And I said, what's that? And he said, well, to be honest with you, we really don't know. It usually happens to old people just before they die. Oh. And I thought, well, hang on a minute. <laughs> all yeah, of a sudden, all the dots were starting to connect um, oh. that, that I wasn't in a good space. Wow. So, wow. So your immune system was yeah. working so hard yeah. to keep you alive. Yes, exactly. Yeah, amazing. So after they removed the tumours, I remember sitting in the hospital thinking, this is just, this is this is not real. This can't be happening to mm. me. Mm. And uh after I went back after a week to get the results, uh, that I walked in hoping the doctor say, look, you know, it is a big mistake. There's, it was, you know, everything was clear. But he wouldn't even look me in the eye when I walked in and I thought, is this, oh, dear. Is this the GP? Who... No, this is a specialist, the, oh, the okay. surgeon who, who took the tumours out. Okay. And I thought, oh, dear, this isn't, isn't too good. And, and he said, yes, these large tumours have been taken out. Um, I'm going to send you to an oncologist and he can uh, monitor you virtually like to your die because there was nothing they oh. could do for me. Okay, and so these they were um, the tumors were malignant. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. Mm. So I said, well, how long have I got to live? I mean, I shouldn't have asked that question, but in that moment, I didn't quite know what else to say. Yes. And he just said, well, he said, you might have two months or you might have two wow. years. Wow. So it's very unpredictable. And so I then went off to um, an oncologist and he had this massive big desk and he was one side of the desk and I was the other side of the desk and I'd gone with my mother and when he came out to call me in, he looked at my mother uh, oh. thinking that she was the person with cancer, not yeah. me. Right. So when we sat down, he was reading through all my notes and, and the lab reports and he just sat there and shook his head from side to side and clicked his tongue with, you're in the hands of fate. There's nothing we can do for you. Oh, wow. So by, <laughs> by this time, I was beside myself with, with stress and anxiety. Yeah. Um, I couldn't eat. I couldn't sleep. I lost about 28 kilos in weight. Wow. Now, the unfortunate thing about it, that, that results that I got about that was on the Friday before Mother's Day. Oh, uh, so Mother's Day, that would have been one of the worst days of my whole life when my kids mm. were, were coming in, bringing me little gifts that they'd made at school and my mind's just awfulizing and catastrophizing about what's yeah. going to happen to the kids next year when I'm not here and um, it was just horrendous. And also yeah. having to go and tell my parents and your friends and, and you know, here I was feeling I needed emotional support but I yes. also felt I'm giving other people emotional support so... To be honest, I became emotionally bankrupt. Yes, you know, I can imagine. Yeah. There was nothing left. So 
with all of this happening for me, I went back to my local GP who originally mm. took this little dot out yeah. and he just apologised profusely and he mm. said, is there anything I can do to help you now? And I said, well, I can't sleep, I can't eat, I've got a king-size waterbed and, you know, I wake up in the middle of the night and the whole bed's shaking because I'm shaking oh. and I just didn't know what to do because the minute, you know, I, I tried to think of the future, it was just you know, thinking, goodness, two months, that's only eight weeks. Oh, I, you know, <laughs> yes, a, gosh, what a shock. Yeah. What a so shock. anyhow, he said, look, there's mm. not much I can do except offer you some Sarapax, which is a drug that will help you to sleep. And I remember thinking in the in my mind, that's not the type of help I need. I want someone who can help me to to find another way to, mm. to work through this for as long as as long as I can. Mm. And I remember my sister-in-law coming down from the country and, and we were just, um, we just didn't know what to do. We were trying and she said, mm. I can't believe this is happening to you. And mm. anyhow, she went off uh, after, after she visited me. Well, that, I said to her at the time, I said to her, you know, I wish I had another five years because the kids are so young. If I knew you could see them get that little bit older. Mm. Anyhow, she went off to a um, her, her appointment and I didn't know what that was. And about an hour and a half later, she came back and she was banging on my front door and I opened it up and she said, you're not going to believe this. And oh, said, what's that? And she said, <laughs> I went and saw Audrey and Audrey is a, um, a lady who reads cards. And oh. she said, I walked in there and she said, she looked at me and said, you've got somebody close to you who... Uh, it's not doing too well at the moment. And she didn't want to give too much away, so she just said, hmm. And she <laughs> said, leant forward and said, ask her why she only wants another five years. Why doesn't she want another 50 years? I've got, I've got goosebumps <laughs> right now, literally. I know. Goosebumps. Yep. Wow. Uh, and I thought that just hit me and I thought, wow, yeah, what? why? Why do I think I've? I can, I can, I'm extending something by, you know, a few more years. Why not 50 years? Oh, yes. And then I thought, well, I've got to find another way. So um, once again, serendipitously, I, <laughs> I got a letter from a cousin's cousin on the other side of the family who had gone through similar. And his mm -hmm. wife had written to me and said, I'm sorry to hear what had happened. Uh, and had I thought about going to a naturopath. Mm. And I hadn't. So she gave me the name of this naturopath and I walked in and Lee didn't want to know anything about me. So just let me read, you know, look at your eyes and mm. look, it was like he was reading my um, medical history. It was unbelievable. Wow. And that, just for the listeners, that's called iridology. That's right. Yes. Yes. And he said to me, listen, kid, he said, it's not going to be easy, but we can do this. And I sat there for a while thinking, look, I've had three doctors going to tell me I'm, I'm going to die. Now I've got one naturopath who says, you know, there could be a way. Who do I believe? And then I was thinking, well, am I just sitting here as a vulnerable young mum clutching mm. at straws? And then, mm. I, then I thought, well, I've got to believe in something. Yes. And that was the only hope that I had. So, yes, that's, that's the word that came to my mind, hope. Yes, exactly. Wow. So up to that point, I was living in despair. And yes. the minute uh, Lee gave me hope, um, he gave me a list of things that I could eat and couldn't eat and some different vitamins, minerals, different herbs. Mm -hmm. 
and I stuck to his protocol. And I also heard about an organisation called Cancer Support WA, which okay. was a, a small organisation where, you know, group um, discussions and education. And I went along there and I was the youngest there by about 30 years. Wow. And looking around thinking, hmm, this isn't quite what I'd planned mm. in my life. Mm. But anyhow, everybody was so lovely. And mm. they just started teaching me things I had never thought about before. And mm. things like being, you know, one lady said to me, you know, until you learn to say no, you'll never get rid of your cancer. And I thought, what do wow. you mean by that? And mm-hmm. um, But going deeper into the discussion, yes, I was a bit of a people pleaser. You know, I... I you know, I like to help people. I like to, you know, yes. be involved in the school things and, and say yes to everything. So that was one thing that I had to look at. Mm. Also there, they taught me about meditation and they told me about wow. Dr. Dr. Ian Gawler, who was one of the pioneers in oh, Australia. Yes, yes. yes. Yeah, Gawler Institute, isn't it? They're yeah. based in Victoria. Mm. Yes. And he'd written a book called You Can Conquer Cancer. And so I read his book and also I had one of his tapes and started meditating. And that was just amazing. The difference yeah. meditation made yeah. um, because my mind was all over the place. Yes. And I realized that my mind was projecting into the future, which yes. didn't even exist. And mm. I was mis- misusing my imagination by imagining all the things that would go wrong instead Mm. of using it like as a GPS for the good things that I wanted in my future. Can we just pause there for a sec? Because I I was only thinking about that this morning when I was meditating on, um, and now you would know this, but like stress increases cortisol, which eventually decreases the immune system. That's correct, yes. Whereas relaxing and being calm and in ease actually supports the immune system. Uh, and revitalizes the cells and all of that sort of stuff. So this is a huge change, isn't it? Because you quite honestly were in a situation that was extremely stressful. Very stressful. So this is fantastic. And that's why I had to open my mind up to to new possibilities, just not the, Mm. the medical model. And in those days, we didn't have the internet. So I went down to the library to find out more about my prognosis and I found one little paragraph that said there was a, a 10% chance I could be here in five years and a 5% chance I could be here in 10 years and I remember this little voice coming up inside of me saying what do you have to do that's different to 95% of the people to be in that 5% mm. and that's when I really opened my mind up to uh, find another way and there's there's many pathways up the mountain and there's mm. many many different ways of healing but it was about mm. finding my answer to cancer um, yes you know and what's what was that can you share that or is that not something you'd like to delve into oh, yeah I I delved into everything <laughs> I, <laughs> I actually wrote a book and I sat there for for a couple of months because I didn't know what to call it because it was it covered so much of about mm. healing and in mm. the end, that's what I called it, my answer to cancer, because I actually haven't got other people's answers. But I just thought telling my story, if it can give some people um, insight, you know, people say to me now, oh, aren't you lucky you got over cancer? Well, there was no <laughs> luck in it. There was a lot of hard no. work, a lot of soul yeah. searching, a lot of tears, 
a lot of questioning. And so, you know, I looked, I had counselling and looked into things, you know, from, um, you know, I'd been under a lot of stress, uh, immense stress before I was diagnosed. My mm. uh, son was born um, six weeks early of a, um, um, with a heart problem. Okay. And then it was touch and go for for a couple of years with him uh, mm. in and out of hospitals and broken legs and um it oh. was just it was just so difficult and living living on red alert all the time that's that's yes that's interesting so were you a single mum no no my no. my husband he he was very good he just said to me i don't care what you do to get well just do whatever you need to do so that yeah. course my gave me permission to go out and try all these different things yeah that's great so um yeah so what linked him being sick is to my mother had lost her first child and so I lived with a woman who had um or mother that had lived her whole life in grief Mm. and here I was you know linking all of these subconsciously together and that's where counseling can come in really Mm. well to to look at what's been happening in Mm. in my life totally not just my body but my mm-hmm. mind yeah. my emotions I didn't know how to handle you know how do you prepare yourself for for news like this mm-hmm. um and so you know di- discovering that and that's where I realized that the mind unless mm-hmm. your mind is still you don't mm-hmm. tend to make good choices it's like mm-hmm. a bucket of muddy water the more you're walking around with a bucket of, bucket of muddy water the more it uh, it's not clear when you sit mm. down, all the mud mm. settles and the water becomes clear, which is a bit like the mind. And that's what so I found very important to uh, meditate, because once I started meditating, I started making uh, much better choices about yeah. yes. what I wanted to do you know, with my life, what treatments I wanted or didn't want. Um, you know, I, I, I looked at transgenerational healing you know patterns that had had come in my family I did the family tree that was very healing believe it or Mm. not Mm -hmm. um looking at nutrition I learned Reiki Reiki had only just come to Australia at that time so people looked at with you know what's this energy uh Reiki all about so I I did that Um, and and you trained am I correct in saying you trained to be a Reiki therapist Yes, that's right. Yes. yes. Okay. And yeah. do you still do that today? Yes. Yeah, I still I still do that. I once I realized how important the mind was and, and energy, I went on later on or 20 years ago and uh, studied to be a clinical hypnotherapist as well. So oh, really, I love hypnotherapy. Yeah. <laughs> I do self-guided hypnotherapy every morning. Fantastic. Yeah, yeah, I find it just takes me down into such a deep state of relaxation so I love meditation but sometimes being aware of the thoughts and all of that it kind of can distract me yes whereas guided hypnosis just going down 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 Mm. to that deep restful place once I'm down there I just feel you know it's amazing rejuvenated yes yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, doing that and also while I was doing all of the exploration of different modalities for healing, I was also mm-hmm. going to Cancer Support WA to their support groups. Mm. And I found that was really good because you live 
linking up with other people going through similar experiences mm. and they'd see it from a totally different perspective. Mm. And, and they think, oh, I never thought about it like that. That's a, a great idea. Anyhow, yeah, after, cool. after a while, I then volunteered um, to help out at the, you know, it's a not-for-profit organisation. It gave me a real great sense of purpose to help out mm. there. And I kept going back to the um, oncologist and here I was getting better and and feeling so fantastic. So I tell him, you know, I've been to a naturopath, I've changed my diet, I'm (laughs) meditating, I'm doing Reiki, all the things I thought he'd be excited to see me getting well and he didn't want to know about it at all. And after two years he said to me, um, so how long was it from the primary cancer to the secondary cancer? And I said 10 months. And he said, how long ago is that now? And I said, two years. And he said, well, I've got no need to see you anymore. I thought, well, wow. that's fine, because I've built up another healing team around mm. that that model. Were you, were you going to like an integrative doctor or something no, like that? No. no. In those days, there were, weren't very Wasn't many there. of those around. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. So I just created my own my own healing team. Mm. So after so he I said. Ask... Oh, go on. I just I, want to say just, after were you having PET scans and things like that? They didn't exist in those days. <laughs> it was oh, only, is that right? It was pretty that they did used to do chest X-rays every three okay. months, and he'd do uh-huh. a physical examination, um, and he'd be prodding around trying to find tumors, and they check my lungs wow. and. Wow. But after he said he didn't need to see me anymore, I thought, oh, well, I've, I'll move on and yes. keep doing what I'm doing, and I've got my hand on the handle of the door as I'm going out. And he said to me, by the way, and I look back, he says, don't you think that it's anything you've done? He said, there are such things as spontaneous remissions. Mm. Uh, I was flabbergasted. I just yeah. I just thought this is where I, I realised how much words can heal and words can harm. Mm. And I'm a pretty strong person. And I just looked at him, walked out the door and closed the door on that chapter of my life. But I mm. thought how much nicer it would have been if he'd said, Gee, Kath, I have no idea what you've actually done, but well mm-hmm. done. Keep doing mm-hmm. what you're doing. There's yes. just such a difference in those couple of sentences that um, yes. would help. Um, when you said you closed the door, you walked out mm-hmm. and closed the door on that chapter of your life. So did you then in your mind just say, I'm not a cancer patient anymore like cancer is just not a part of who I am is is that what you mean what do you mean when well, you said that well I focused I, I closed the, the chapter on having cancer and focused mm. on healing so I've spent okay. the last 34 years on uh, focusing my mind on healing helping people at at cancer support the lady who was running the support groups went on long service leave so they asked me whether I would run the groups and I said, oh, I couldn't do that. And they said, well, you've been coming to them long enough. You know, you, you know what to do. So yes. I did it. And then she resigned. And so I then they asked me whether I would like the job. So I said, well, I haven't got any qualifications to do it. Mm. And they said, well, get some. So I, we did a two-year course on group facilitation at Great. the Was, Wasley Institute over here in Perth. And I also flew over to Melbourne and went to Ian Gawler's Yarra Valley and mm-hmm. did training with him to run his program. Oh, so, right. Okay. So, so did you ever get any thoughts of it might come back, what will happen? Like 
never anything like that. Yeah, no, no, you live with that. You know, people, yes. uh, it's something even now, you know, 34 years later, if mm. something's not quite right, well, I, I get it checked out, you know, but it mm. always is in, in the back of my mind. Mm. But I focus very much on, you know, doing meditation all the time, mm. um, you know, just those, those lifestyle changes because, you know, there's those sayings that I, I love, things like, you know, if you always do what you've always done, you'll mm. always get what you've always got. So yeah. if you need your life to change, you need to change your mind. So mm. I feel like I changed my mind, I changed my life, that I'd reduced, um, okay, you know, the my body was growing cancer. How could I change the chemistry of the body? And so mm. going to the naturopath changed it, meditating mm. changed it. Mm. exercise changed it so it reduced the chances in my mind mm. and that's that's the key in my mind of having cancer mm. but you always got to wear and I've run groups now for 30 years or support mm. groups and education groups here in WA and so many people say to me but it's so hard living with uncertainty mm. and my answer to them is well everybody on this earth is living with uncertainty but they just don't know it and you know, I think when you when you're faced with your own mortality, you realize it, and you realize just how precious life is, yes, and and about true. making the most of of every day, mm. and because life can change in an instant. So my whole focus is, I'm do, not doing all of this stuff because I don't want to die. I'm doing mm. all this stuff because I want to live as well as I can for as long as I can. Yeah, that's a beautiful reframing of of having had a chronic disease like cancer that's mm. really powerful mm. yes you're living for health where the things you do are for health and not to not die yeah well i Two think the very different ways of looking yeah, at it yeah i think i've got that realization because i've done a lot of travel that yeah that really feeds my soul and oh, hello i love travel too <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> And I was in Africa once and uh, we're in a safari truck and mm -hmm. we're going along and we stopped because there was a big bull elephant. But what we didn't know that was the big bull elephant was in Musk and he saw us that we were in his territory and a yeah. threat. So he started to charge us and the safari truck was only a brand new truck that the man had picked up on the Monday and he wasn't familiar where all the gears were and this big, big bull elephant was charging at us <laughs> and he's trying to find reverse. And he started getting upset and I actually, he, he ripped it into reverse and we started going reverse with this elephant chain, uh, trace, chasing us. And I dropped my camera and I hung on to the back of the chair in front of me. And what went through my mind is I never thought my life was going to end like this. <laughs> and I think that's the day I stopped worrying about cancer because, you know, I didn't lay there a night worrying about being stomped on by a big bull elephant um and that could have been the scenario so oh that is great that's such a great picture isn't it <laughs> well, so I, brilliant well I was very lucky because a friend of mine was sitting in in one of, one of those little safari trucks and he was behind me yeah. and he picked up his camera and he just took three photos of this elephant getting closer and closer to us and uh so yeah I've got that as a memory of being charged by a bull elephant which was uh, mm. An exciting day. That is such a powerful um, link, such a powerful 
memory, how you, you using that to the freedom that you created through that experience yes. of your life. That's so powerful, actually, because, you know, fear is like a bull elephant. Mm. You know, we feel it coming towards us. That It's just such a good little metaphor, really, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, so uh, life's taught me a lot. But one of the, the other things that I found very, very interesting in my thinking yeah. was yeah. When, when I was in that state of um, thinking I was going to die, yeah. um, you know, things happen, like I lost so much weight, it's like, well, do I buy new clothes? These ones are just about falling off me, but, well, what a waste of time if I'm going to be dead in a couple of months. Mm. And then it really uh, realised one day when my driver's licence turned up and I looked at it and it said, do you want to take your driver's licence out for one year or five years? And I sat there for quite some time and I thought, wow, now if I take it out for one year, Yes. That's almost admitting that I don't believe that I'm going to be here in five years. Yes. And so I took it out for five years with the belief that I was going to be here in five years. And, mm. you know, I've taken out many times since for five years. And I, I, booked a trip. I booked a trip to Bali for the family, the four of us to go to Bali 12 months in advance. And people were pulling my husband to the side saying, does she realise how serious this is? And he said, yeah, but, you know, it's whatever she believes in, whatever, you know, makes me happy type of thing. Well, yeah. you know, getting on that plane and taking the kids overseas for the first time was just so joyful. And but but what I realised, because I had been told what I'd been told, I was starting to close my life down myself mm. and living as though I wasn't going to be here. And that's when I opened it up and started planning things uh, in the future and visualising myself being in the future. So I liken that to, like, if you hop in your car and you know where you want to go, but you don't put in the coordinates into the GPS and you just start mm. driving your car, well, you could end up 200 kilometres south and where mm. you want to be is 100 kilometres north, but you haven't put into the GPS where you where you want to go. And mm. it's a bit like your mind, you know, you end up mm. in places you don't want to be, but have you told your mind where you do want to be? And that's yes. where visualisation is so important. But people say, well, it's only my imagination. Well, my answer to that is if you knew how powerful your imagination yes. is, yes. it's quite scary. And if you look around your room, every single thing that's in your room has mm -hmm. been in someone's imagination before it was manifested. Yes, that's right. And there's a book called, I'm just trying to think what it's called, uh, anyway, but it's the the body listens to the mind, yes, and yeah. obeys what you're thinking. So yeah. if you're, you know, I'll never get this, I won't yeah. be that, yeah. la la la, then it blocks it blocks the opportunity for those things to happen because the body yeah. acts yeah. on what the mind is saying. Yeah, it's so true. Absolutely. So I yeah. Well, I I think on that note we might finish. Um, I think you've given everyone who's listening to this podcast some beautiful tools, you know, mindful, uh, how we think with our bodies, having hope, uh, you know, all of these things, very practical, you know, the driving, the GPS, they're very practical things that we can all use to move away from fear and to live in hope, to be mm -hmm. positive. Um, 
to be expectant, all of those things. Thank you so much. Was there anything else you particularly wanted to share before we close off? I don't want to stop your beautiful stories. No, it just, you know, I think the bonus for me was, you know, I wanted to see my children grow up. Mm. So I had that really strong reason to live. They were only six and eight, as I said, and, you know, to be there when they got married and when they had their children. But the little bonus that I didn't realise is my four great, my four grandchildren. Um, Um, You know, I want to see my kids grow up now. I'm, I just love every minute that I see my, my grandchildren uh, grow up and, you know, I'm a bit like you. I, mm. I love travel. I take people overseas mm. on retreats. I teach you. meditation, you know, <laughs> through a through an app. Uh, I just love doing um, lots of things. People say, when are you ever going to slow down? And I said, why? You know, yeah. I've got life and I want to live it yes. for as long as I can. And I say yes to everything instead of, you know, the um, life presents us with some opportunities. And people say, mm. oh, you're lucky. Well, yeah, sometimes you've got to mm. say yay, yay to life, yay to all of it, which yes. was Joseph Joseph Campbell's yes. uh, quote. And, yes, we've had all the, the hard times, but now it's saying yay to all the good times. Yes, yes. I always say to people, to myself, I am lucky. Mm. I see myself as lucky. I mean, I've had some awful things happen, but I've yeah. also had some really yeah. fantastic things happen. So I tip it onto the lucky side yeah that well that's what I focus we focus on it's you know we've got in a dual uh universe that we live in yin yang Mm. night day sweet sour Mm. hot cold Mm. and we've got the good things happen and the bad things that happen and Mm. so you live your life what you focus on so yes focus on the positive things yes oh thank you thank you so much and Yes, Kathy. I mean, that's some beautiful words of wisdom there. And so I'm going to sign off now, but thank you everyone for listening to this podcast. Uh, I wish you well, joy, go well. Ciao.